0: Part three of episode two of ER Life. We're really going to try to rip it up here and set a strong pace. The International Space Station is scheduled to fly overhead in about 20, 30 minutes. So that thing's going to be flying overhead about 248 miles up, but it's traveling Yeah, that's 17,000 miles per hour. So it just zips right by and it's lit by the rays of the sunlight. Even though it's really dusky here in Kiesel Park, I want to catch a glimpse. So we're going to try to get after it, get it done real quick here. Use time efficiently. As we discuss ADHD. In the new webpage, erlifeiselite.com, Currently under construction. The specific details and the citations of everything I reference herein, they will be posted there. And if you'd like to go into detail and learn about anything in particular, um, definitely refer to that. So that's under construction at the moment, but it will be released and ready to view soon. As it pertains to ADHD, let's hit the high points. With ADHD. There are a spectrum of symptoms that altogether might be considered making ADHD an energetic deficiency disorder. So when you think about all of the energy required, all of the ATP required, the dopamine needed to power cognitive activity, what if you were to lower a person's threshold of production, ability to synthesize and utilize the necessary ATP and dopamine as occurs in a normal person. If you go ahead and lower that person's ceiling, you would have ADHD. Broadly speaking, that's how I understand it from the literature, from its impact on lives. And when I first read that a couple years ago, ADHD, an energetic deficiency disorder, well, what? It was, it was a game change for me. It was a total paradigm shift where I started to look at this condition through, totally different, through a totally different lens. And really, as we'll discuss right now, when we look at the impact ADHD has on a person's life, Yeah, it makes sense. It really makes sense for there to be this this large, this significant change to the body's physiology, limiting its overall capacity and potential leading to a lowered academic achievement, diminished ability to learn, retain information. If we're Teenagers, if we're young, if we're developing ourselves, our ability to develop into who we want to be is diminished. And so, looking at the big picture then, if we're not able to develop as, as we would like, pursue the passions we have and find fulfillment in whatever it is that fulfills us due to Inability to sustain attention, focus, really get things done, do work. Ultimately, work's required to really do anything, even develop yourself. Well, one's employment prospects are diminished, one's career prospects are diminished. And really, what does that mean? Life prospects are also diminished. Just like I said, it's almost as though the ceiling is brought lower on a person. And so it's really not just career prospects, academic achievement, because I mean, that that story sells itself as far as, if you're not able to focus, if you're not able to have the attention you need, you're going to get lower grades, going to have lower academic achievement, going to get into maybe lower quality schools, if any, and this might be happening at the margins. It might be just like a slight a slight decrease, a slight, slightly lower quality of situation. But over the course of a person's life, yeah, that that certainly can translate to really not not fulfilling one's potential or at least the potential one thinks they might have. But going beyond that, we're looking at attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder having increased risk of teenage pregnancy. Empirical studies showing in traffic accidents resulting in fatality, more often than not, the person at fault has ADHD versus not having ADHD. In other words, if either party were to have ADHD, it's shown the person responsible for a fatal traffic accident will tend to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And then also empirically, studies show increased increased chance of traffic violations for speeding. That's also occurring with ADHD. But, okay, it's not just the traffic and, and the minor stuff. Really, criminality writ large, looking at the prison populations... There are substantial numbers, substantial percentages of, whether it's male or female, incarcerated people who have ADHD. And it's really not hard to see why. If we think about difficulty controlling impulses, what might happen if someone has an impulse to just do something that really hurts someone else or otherwise break a law? They get caught. Guess where they're going? Going in jail. They're going in prison. So look then really extrapolating that out, projecting that out across a population. It's not it's not hard to see why there might be a lot of folks behind bars with ADHD untreated. And then New England Journal of Medicine really put empirical data to this. And they looked at the percent risk of committing a crime when untreated with ADHD medication whether stimulant or not versus being treated with ADHD medication like I said whether it's a um, a stimulant or otherwise Well, so when someone is treated for ADHD for the males there's a 32% decreased risk in criminality for females that's a 41% decrease in criminality when treated for ADHD. So, I mean, this isn't just me blowing smoke. This is really... This is data. This is... Well, it's lives. These are people's lives behind the data. So, structurally speaking, we're, we're not really talking about just ATP and dopamine and energetic deficiency. Really, there's also... Delays in the maturation of a person's brain in particular and of course this will be cited at ERlife com. there being a delay in the maturation of key cerebral areas they're tasked with with planning with attention with executive control namely the maturation of these particular cerebral areas should be occurring when a child is roughly seven and a half years old. And those with ADHD, that doesn't happen until 10 and a half years old. So a two-year delay in development. That's significant. And then let's look at at the importance of just attention in general. So we're we're gonna kinda close part three, final part of episode two. Just looking at attention and its value in terms of let's compare it to let's take an attention score and let's compare it to an IQ score. Well, which might be more important for assessing a person's overall life prospects? As it turns out, in a a journal of the American Medical Association study, attention scores are able to predict a person's Lifetime earnings with far greater strength than one's intelligence quotient, otherwise known as the IQ. This study started with the authors really noticing high inattention in kindergartners as really projecting out throughout a person's life. So what they see in kindergarten with high inattention that tends to be a common theme reoccurring throughout a person's life. So these authors followed children at age six and then followed back up with them when they were age 35. So at age six, study authors got teacher-rated scores on inattention, hyperactivity, oppositional, And aggression symptoms. And ability to be pro-social. They took those scores at age 6. And then they followed back up with individuals in the study group when they were 35. And they looked at their tax returns. Suffice it to say, more so than IQ, family background, or anything else, inattention or rather one's, one's attention, their, in particular their attention scores, were far more able to predict one's annual income than anything else. So for males, with every one point increase in attention, there was an increase in 900 900 and change dollars per year for females and twelve hundred, roughly $1,200 per year in males. Now, we're talking about with ADHD versus a normal person. There's a, there's a significant separation in attention scores between those individuals. I don't want to exactly quote earnings and income and, and really be that specific because I, I feel I don't need to be. I think the numbers tell the story themselves. Really in conclusion we can see the importance of attention, we can see the importance of one's ability to focus and honestly if there's if, if a child is suspected well, it doesn't matter if it's a child or an adult. If one suspects they might have difficulty with focus and with attention, go ahead, see a mental health professional, get tested and, and check it out because literature shows quality of life when being treated for ADHD significantly improves. Why, why, why should we go on living diminished qualities of, li- qualities of life when it's not necessary? We don't need to do that. There's such thing as better living through modern chemistry, I suppose. And with that, conclude part three and check out the space station. Y'all take care. Stay tuned for episode three. Considering the number of options for what, what's focused on, might, might be just doing it on the blood-brain barrier and just how much it's really like a castle in terms of protecting us from... protecting our brain from everything that's going on in... in the general physiology of our body and keeping that environment as, as, I, as ideal, as optimized as possible. Y'all stay tuned.